Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. So here we go, friends. We are in part five of our series called Led by the Spirit. This all was inspired when we were in John 16, and we will return to John probably in the new year. That's kind of the way things are lining up because we're going to have one more part in our Led by the Spirit series next week. And by then, it's going to be kind of into the whole Christmas season. So we're going to, we have a Christmas series that I'm working on. And then probably in January, we'll, we'll return to John. So I hope you guys are okay with that kind of a plan for the time being. If you've missed anything in this Led by the Spirit series and you're kind of wanting to catch up or fill in some blanks because we've talked about some concepts yeah, a little bit here, but we've talked about them in detail previous, you're always welcome to go to our website, candocfc.com, and you can click on Messages, and everything is archived right there, so you can find everything that you need. So we've been talking about how we can hear God's voice and receive His guidance and His leading in our lives. I think that many Christians... We naturally understand that some things in life definitely require God's leading, his provision, his plans. And other times we don't necessarily need to have God lead us in something. Might sound kind of crazy to hear, but I think there are, there are moments like that. For instance, I think we all, all of us know what kind, it would be kind of strange if we were to ask God, Lord, tonight on the barbecue, should I grill hot dogs or steak? I mean, if you pray about that, that's fine. I don't think there's anything blasphemous about it, but I think God is willing to let you just make your own choice on that one. Or maybe you open your drawer and you see a, a blue shirt and a green shirt. It's like, oh Lord, another big decision. What do you think I should do? And you pray and you listen and discern. It's like, oh yeah, it's the green shirt. Yes, green wins. Or maybe like you come into church and you look and there's a few empty spots and someone might be sitting in your regular spot. It's like, oh Jesus, where should I sit today? And you know what, it's okay, he might actually lead you to sit beside someone that you never thought of sitting beside, and it might be great, and you can encourage him, and all that kind of stuff, but it's not, these aren't things that we have to pray about. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, so you can pray about these things, but you don't have to. Yet at the same time, those are some silly examples, but at the same time, there's these moments in life that come up where most of us instinctively realize that we should be asking God for what his plans and purposes are for us. For example, let's say that we're given the opportunity for a promotion at work, but there's still some questions. We're not really sure what this would do to change our work structure or the relationships and things like that. And it's like, okay, yeah, I want to advance, but Lord, I need to pray. Maybe there's an opportunity to move to a new city. And it's like, oh Lord, uh, yeah, this sounds good, but is this the right timing? There's other things going on. Is this your will right now? Maybe there's a new dream or a desire that's making its home in your heart. It's like, oh wow, I love this. But God, there's just so many questions. Is this really you? Like, is this what you want for me? So there's these moments where instinctively, instinctively we understand we need to slow down and ask and discern. What we want to do today is just understand that there's balance it's actually very practical. There's balance between never praying about anything and praying about every single minuscule detail of our lives, right? I think we can go overboard in either direction, so we've got to find the balance. We're going to get really practical today, but I want you to know, I want you to know something here up front. This message 
isn't just for us to listen to for the next 35 to 40 minutes here in this building. This isn't the only place that these thoughts are meant to actually take root. This message is only helpful if it's applied into how we follow Jesus in our day-to-day experiences. What we're going to talk about today is going to require us to sit and listen and spend time with God. If we are hungry for closeness with Jesus and a fruitful life lived following the Father's will, that's when I believe that this message and its teaching is going to be the most impactful for us. So with that in mind, let's pause. I'm going to pray, and then we'll we'll get right into things here. (coughs) God, I pray that this message would be taken from your heart, from my lips, from these pages, and I pray, Father, you're going to plant these things in all of our hearts. Jesus, show us the value of these things on a practical level. Help us to be thinking already right here on Sunday morning how this works tomorrow morning. How this works when we're interacting at our jobs, with our friends, with our families, with our social schedules. Everything, Jesus. We just want what you have in mind for us to infiltrate our lives. I, I pray, Father, for a hunger and a closeness with you that, that we can only have if we, if we discipline ourselves to say, Yeah, Jesus, I'm willing to take the time. I'm willing to give you more instead of saying, I'm going to squeeze you into what's left. Father, just use this message to to work in the body of Christ this morning. Amen. Okay, so we have this book, right? We We have the Bible. Let me ask a question here. Is the Bible full of wisdom for how we should live our lives? What do you guys think? Yes, absolutely. I think it is, right? So even if someone just were to pick up and read the Bible, there we go. Without the Holy Spirit's, you know, super revealing help and all this kind of stuff, they could still glean some truth from the pages of scriptures. They could still glean some wise advice for how they should live their lives if they just picked up the Bible and read it. See, the Bible is a gift from God to you and me. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, And training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the Lord promises success for us in our life as we minister on his behalf if we know and live out what the Bible says. Joshua 1 verse 8 shows us this. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So very quickly, just in a couple of verses, we're seeing here that we don't have to ask God about everything. In many cases, he's already told us what is pleasing to him in the pages of Scripture. So if we we choose to follow God's general guidelines for our lives, which he's already given to us in the Bible, then we are already following him and learning to live in line with God's will for our lives. Knowing and following God's will, which once again we find in the Bible, is foundational for the second part of guidance that we might receive from the Lord in our lives when we hear a personal rhema word for ourselves. Following God's general guidance for our lives, it paves the way for us to receive specific guidance from God as well. 
James referred to this specific will and guidance from God as wisdom, which we can ask for and we can listen for. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. <coughs> so here's something to note, okay? What God says to us specifically, as we pray and listen for him to lead us, will always be in agreement with his general and moral will, which we find in the Bible. You see how these two things are working together? So here's an example, okay? Let's say you're a a parent, or you're you're a parent, and you have three children. Your desire is that you want to raise your three children to know and love and honor Jesus. That's great, right? And the Bible has lots to say for parents who want to raise their kids to be godly. There's, There's things like, parents, do not exasperate your children. Parents, teach and train your children to know the Lord. Parents, discipline your kids. Value your kids. Love your children. All these kinds of things, right? Verses like this are all part of God's general will and guidance for how to raise a godly family. But let's say you've used all of this general wisdom for kids one, two, and three. Kids one and two, they respond very well. But kid three, it's like, uh, I think there's a bit of a disconnect here. It's like our third child isn't sinking their teeth into things the same way our first two kids did. So what do we need to do now? Ah, that's right. We've used general wisdom, and now we need to ask for further wisdom and guidance for kid number three. And that's what the Lord offered to us in James 1.5. So there, this is where we, we pray and ask Jesus, what do we need to do to help little Susie, you know, whatever. Stop biting her brothers and sisters or something like that. So our kids, Lucy and Easton, sorry, you guys are always used as examples here. You guys are different. You're different personalities. You're different people. That's all right. We raise them both with the same biblical guidance for raising children. But we have prayed and asked God for specific guidance for each of them at different times in their life. Because due to their personalities, they, they face life in different ways. So we pray and we ask for God for guidance. And he says, oh yeah, for Lucy, you should do this. But for Easton, here, this is the right way to go. Oh Lord, thank you. And you know what? Our kids are amazing. So God has truly done something to help us to raise good children. And they're doing great, right? So keep in mind, anytime we pray and we ask for additional guidance, we need to be aware of what sort of response we get. See, because when we're hearing God's voice and we're, we're running it past Scripture to make sure it agrees with Scripture, we, we need to find out if there's anything in what we hear that might contradict what God says in the Bible. So if God's voice contradicts God's word, that's not God speaking. Okay? We're either hearing our own voice, which is like our own lusts and desires, which James 1.14 talks about, Or perhaps we're hearing the voice of someone else who isn't God, and it could be the devil. In in 1 Thessalonians 3.5, it mentions that the devil tries to tempt us and can indeed get the best of us if we aren't discerning. Right? So like this balance. I want to hear, but I want to make sure it agrees with Scripture. That's how we understand who it is that's actually talking to us. And that's why it's so critical that we become intimately familiar with what the Bible says. I actually don't think it's wise to listen for God's voice if we aren't very, you know, astute or spending time in the Bible. Because we can easily be deceived if we have no filter to test, to understand what God's voice actually is. 
We see this principle of the Bible and, and God's voice working together when we look at John 14, 26. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, Jesus hasn't spoke to us personally like he did to the disciples, but he speaks to us through his word, right? Okay, just checking. I'm not the only one. Yeah, he speaks to us through his word. And then when we pray and we ask and we, and we look for answers, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he reminds us of things. Oh, that's right. I read about that in Hebrews six weeks ago. And now this idea that I'm struggling with, I have clarity because the Holy Spirit spoke and reminded me of something I already read. See, there's balance in doing these kinds of things. Let me ask another question here. Is wise counsel from others still important even if you are committed to being led by the Holy Spirit in your life? Some hesitant yeses. Very good, everyone. That's awesome. (laughs) So here's the thing. I think that listening for guidance must not replace good counsel. Some people really like to avoid asking others for counsel or for advice because they feel like they've heard from God and they don't want to ask anyone else because it might disagree with what they say and then they might think, well, oh, I guess that wasn't God. When we hear something we like, sometimes we're tempted to say, okay, I'm in, let's go. And it might not be a great idea, but we, when we ask for wise counsel from other godly people, it can go really well. Some people think that they are exhibiting so much faith in God if they just ignore everybody else except for what they themselves heard and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because this is what God told me to do. Some people think that's so faithful. But why would we be afraid to ask someone for godly counsel? If if it's from God what we heard, and then the person that we speak to is also a a devoted and, and wise follower of God, won't what God said to us and what God reveals through them help us to land in the same spot? I think that's usually actually how it works. Why would we be afraid to go for counsel to someone? Of course, if you ask for counsel from someone who isn't godly, and you know that they've maybe gone on the same path in their life and they're not necessarily a Christian, that could be a disaster. It's like, I'm going to ask someone else who bought a car when they couldn't afford it because it worked out for them, so surely that's what I'm going to get for my answer as well. But if the person that you are speaking to is seeking the heart of God, and if they say, or if what you say you heard from God is really from Him, I believe that they are going to confirm it. And then it'll be a good thing. You'll have more confidence to follow it instead of less. If we want to do the will of God, we should actually be eager to confirm His word in our lives. If we're afraid of being wrong or someone disagreeing with us, I think that may reveal that we don't truly want to follow God's will. We just want to do what we want, and that's not a good thing. When Karen and I lived in Winnipeg, we we knew a young couple from our church, and he was one of the volunteers in in the youth group that I was running. He was a, a pretty good friend of mine as well. One day he called me and he asked if I would meet him for coffee at a Tim Hortons down the block from where I lived, and and so we did. We went for coffee, and he told me. Jeff, one day I was at work and I just felt like God was telling me I was supposed to quit my job. So I did, that day. I'm like, oh, okay. And then he continued to tell me, and now in the last week, we've decided we're moving to the West Coast. Oh, okay. 
And he, he went on like this, insisting that God had led him to do all these kinds of things. He wasn't asking me for counsel. He didn't say, hey, Jeff, this is something I'm wrestling with. What do you think? He just said, no, this is what I think God's telling me to do. And this is what I'm planning to do. He had a wife. He had two young kids. Uh, he didn't have a job lined up in BC. He didn't have a place where he was lined up to live. But they left and they went there. And he just kind of took off without really thinking this whole thing through. I tried to ask him questions that one day at coffee just to like steer him, ask him to consider some things, but he wasn't asking me for my wise counsel, so it was kind of hard for him to receive it. About two years later, they arrived back in Manitoba because he had struggled to find consistent work on the West Coast. They had bought a house out in BC that now they couldn't afford to to, to, they, they couldn't sell, so now they couldn't afford to live anywhere in Manitoba because they couldn't have two mortgages. Life was expensive out there too. They didn't count on the differences that would be between Manitoba and BC. So moving back to Manitoba, they couldn't afford anywhere to live, so they actually just lived in someone's basement for a year, mooching off of them, not paying any rent or anything like that. So here's, here's my question. Was this God directing them to do this? I think any one of us who has like some wise counsel in our lives or anyone who's been given wise advice, we would probably say, if it is God, it's pretty strange, but it just doesn't seem like it's wise. So maybe this isn't from the Lord. And I, I, I kind of get the feeling that they just wanted to move because they were young and had a dream. And that was really the real reason. But they disguised it by saying, God told us to. So if we hear something that we think is from God and we go to someone and ask them about it, if it's truly from God, God's word to us and the advice from that godly person should point us in the same direction. Karen and I had to test this out too. We, we felt like we were being called to, to, be, to go into youth ministry. And I'm like, whew, this is scary. We prayed for a couple of months. And then we asked our pastor to come down one lunch hour. And we told him this whole thing. We said, what do you think? Well, you're, you're a pastor. You've been in our shoes. You've walked down this road before we have. Is this wise? And he gave us his counsel, and it seemed to line up. And he said, yeah, continue to pray. Continue to wait. You guys are doing the right thing. Okay. Godly confirmation. And that was so good. You know, I think Brian Geispers and I, this week, we were actually talking about this kind of thing, how the body of Christ, we need each other in order to hear God properly. See, we all have different gifts and abilities and strengths and wisdom and counsel that we can offer to each other. Some of it's in one area, some of it's in another. But if we get together and we help each other and we talk about these things, we're going to point each other in a solid direction towards Christ. If we think that I have to handle everything on my own, we're going to be a lone ranger. And what we're going to probably do is make a lot of prideful mistakes or insecure mistakes because we're not willing to join up with someone else who has wisdom that we do. In Proverbs 11:14 it says without wise leadership a nation falls there is safety in having many advisors. And Proverbs 12:15 says fools think their own way is right but the wise listen to others. What we're seeing here is that in order for us to value the wise advice that God can supply to us through his followers we need to be humble and teachable and able to receive it from them. That's okay. That's a good thing. I often go to Karen when I have new ideas because she and I think very opposite. I'm an extrovert. I love trying new things. I love meeting new people, putting myself out there. She doesn't like those things as much as me. She's a little more reserved. I don't know if you know that about her and I. 
Her wisdom and perspective, they balance me. So that I'm not going to just think about ministering in one way to one kind of person, the kind of people that, you know, are like me. She'll give me a more well-rounded approach to attacking a, a certain passage or to trying a new ministry or something like that. I need her wise advice and counsel. I often talk to my pastor friend Donovan from Manitoba. I talk to board members here at the church. I ask them, hey, what do you think? Has this ever been done? How did it go? What do you think? How, how do you think it would go? I've also received wise counsel and advice from conferences that I've attended, speakers I've heard, books that I've read, all these things. They won't necessarily give us the exact direction that we need, but God will often use them to change our view on something, to help us to be more sensitive, to be more cautious, and also to confirm what God may have <coughs> already showed us. You know, I've, I've also learned what not to do by watching other people. Do you ever watch people and just say, Woo, Glad I'm not in their shoes. Yeah, we learn something when we see that kind of stuff. Basically, life is far too short for us to try to learn everything there is by ourselves. We have the benefit of all these people that call themselves our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should lean on one another. And we can help each other to save ourselves from so many mistakes by saying, Hey, I've been down that road. I don't think you want to go there. Or actually, this is what I've done and it turned out so well. I would encourage you in that same direction. God is often speaking to you and me through the wise counsel of others and we should not ignore it. Okay, so here's another thought. When it, when it comes to, to showing balance in listening for God's voice, I think that common sense actually plays a huge role in that. But let, let's see if we can define this together. How would you guys describe common sense? Well thought out uh, answers. Well thought out answers. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Anyone else want to add on to what Al said? Common sense. What is it? Yeah, because you know... That it's like, oh, that's common. I would understand, like, that's a bad idea, right? Right. Okay, good. So here's what, I, here's what I think. Common sense is actually something that shows up like crazy in the Bible. Doesn't it feel like when you read Proverbs, it's just a whole bunch of, of little sayings like common sense principles that you would look at and read like, yeah, duh, of course, that makes so much sense. You could read any of them and say, yep, that makes sense. Ah, so if it makes sense to someone who wrote it thousands of years ago and we read it and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. We would say that that's common. More than one person understands this. Common sense says that if you stand outside long enough in your swimsuit in the wintertime, you are going to freeze to death. How many of us know that? See, it's common. Common sense says that spending your whole paycheck on Amazon and not leaving enough money to pay your bills is a bad idea and you will go bankrupt. Do we all agree that spending all your money on Amazon is a bad idea? Some of us are reluctant to put up our hands. That's okay, Luke. I like, I like Amazon too. So common sense could also be called God's natural or self-evident laws. The Bible is full of common sense. At least 10 times in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, I saw or I observed something and this is how it works. He saw it. It was common. It was there for everyone to see and he applied what he learned to his life. Proverbs 3 verse 21 to 23 says, My son... 
Preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. So clearly God does not want us to suspend common sense just because we hear God speak. Think about the story of Samson, right? This is from Judges 13. Samson's parents were told by an angel that they would have a child who would deliver the Israelites from their enemies. Common sense is that when you have a new baby, you should take care of it. You would feed him, love him, uh, care for him, and teach him right from wrong. All these kind of things, right? That's common sense. But non-common sense is the instruction that, that Samson's parents got from the angel to never cut his hair. Now, I never thought that when Lucy and Easton were born. Never cut their hair. Of course, that's how we raise children. No, that was something specific. That was uncommon sense that was meant to be applied for Samson's situation. So even though it wasn't common, it also didn't go against Scripture. So we, what we learn from this story of Samson's life is that at times, at times, God chooses to suspend his natural ways in favor of non-natural ways. When God does that, it's called a miracle. There's many reasons why God chooses to to work in a non-common sense way through a miracle. I'll just give you a few here, okay? So he may use a miracle, (coughs) excuse me, he may use a miracle to give a group of people confidence in a leader that God has chosen. Think of Paul, for example. Paul experienced many miracles in his life, and he says that these were signs for the people that he was ministering to. 2 Corinthians 12.12 says, When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. So it was proof, not for him, but for the people that he was there to minister to. So these people would have seen these miracles in Paul's life and said, Oh, God is clearly with this man. I'm more inclined now to hear what he has to say. Other times, God uses miracles to to give confidence to the one who has been called. We talked about Gideon last week. I mean, Gideon was told by God, okay, here's 300 men. I want you to go and lead them against this massive army. It's like, that's a little bit freaky. I don't know if I can pull that off. Gideon needed confidence, so God gave him several miracles so his confidence would be in doing what God had asked him to do. God can also use miracles to increase our faith. Think about Jesus. I mean, we've been going through several, much of John already, right? And Jesus performed many miracles so that people would have faith in him. And he's still doing that today. You know, when I was, when I was living in Winkler in my early twenties, there was a ministry called Children's Camps International. They actually have their U.S. offices now in rugby. Um, So maybe some of you have heard of them, but they, They provide uh, Christian camping experiences for kids in developing countries. Nonetheless, their head office is in Winkler, Manitoba. And they were doing a fundraiser where they were going to set a world record for harvesting a quarter section of wheat. So the wheat had all been swathed and the the combines were all lined up and there was like 150 of them on one quarter section. They were going to start at each side and, and, and nail this thing down in whatever, minutes. It just took minutes, right? So the night before this huge world record, which was going to raise tons of money and be so instrumental for this ministry, the night before, everyone's checking the forecast, a hundred percent chance of rain. So people began to pray and say, God, we know it's going to rain, but 
you know, could you please you know, do something to prevent it from raining on this quarter section of land? We really want to do this. And I remember Ray uh, Wheeler, he was, the, he was the director, he still is, and he was like, God, whatever brings you more glory, that's what we want to see. So the, that morning, they wake up, it's overcast, thunder and lightning in the distance. They gather everything together, and they just kind of say, okay, let's just see what happens. And it was at the time, like... 10 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon, I can't even remember. The dew had lifted and they were ready to go. And they saw, it's, they saw the, the clouds part over top of this field. It was raining literally on every other field, north, south, east, east, and west, from this one quarter section. But that quarter section of wheat did not get a single drop of rain. They harvested it and it, it was clear that God did get, did get the glory that day. So supernaturally, God lifted what would have been common. We, we don't commonly see one field in the middle of a rainstorm not getting touched and everything else getting soaked. But God can do those kinds of things. And he does it because that's an uncommon way for us to see how he works. But it is still a real way that it happens. If you just want to crank the lights up so that stops happening, I am okay with that. Are you guys? All right. Good. I'm glad. So we see that there is common sense. But there's also uncommon ways in which miracles happen. Both of those things can be a part of the way that God leads us and speaks to us. So here's another question. This is a bit of a, a different topic here. <clears throat> Does listening to God's voice replace listening to human authority? It's an interesting question, right? Some people, some people get themselves into trouble... Because they think that they've heard God speak, and then they just go off blazing a trail, ignoring all other authority figures in their lives. But let's listen to what Romans 13 verse 1 and 2 says. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. No amount of listening prayer can overturn a command that is so clear in the Bible for us to honor earthly authorities. On the other hand, the Bible also gives us examples of times when we should disobey earthly authorities because they may be directing us to do something that would disobey God. A biblical example would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're told, bow down and worship this statue, right? And they said, no, we're not going to do that because we are told to worship only God. And they knew the penalty, but they, they followed through with what God asked them to do, disobeying an earthly authority, and it was honoring to him. Here's another example from maybe our present situations. Let's say that you feel... That God is telling you to start a ministry in your workplace. And you want to gather together with your fellow employees at the end of the day, outside of work hours, and have a prayer meeting or a Bible study. But you want to ask your boss if you can use the, the meeting area <coughs> or the conference room. So you come to your boss and you ask, hey, can we do this? This is what I'd really like to do. And you know, or in your heart, like God's told you to do this. What if your boss says, No. Do you say, well, too bad because God told me, sucker. You know, it's like, ooh, no, that's not what we do. That would be a lousy testimony from us, right? This doesn't mean that you, can, you can't still love your coworkers. It doesn't mean that you can't still minister to them and even do this Bible study prayer meeting somewhere else. 
You just can't do it at your workplace like you wanted to. In addition to the authorities in our workplace, we also have authorities in the church. This is the part of the message I wish we had a guest speaker to talk about, but uh, I'm going to do my best. So if you'll, if you'll just uh, give me the benefit of the doubt here, I would love that. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So here's the question that I kind of wrestle with. What if God speaks to you and he shows you something about our church? Maybe something that Christian Fellowship Church isn't doing. Or maybe you get a prophetic word from God about someone else here at church. Or maybe you learn something new that is amazing and it changes your life and the way that you know and you love Jesus. But Pastor Jeff has never preached about anything like that. And you're not sure now what you're supposed to do with what you heard. In any of these scenarios, how do we proceed? How do we handle this? The simple answer is this. Do you have permission from God to do something with what you are sensing or not? If you don't have permission from God, you don't get to move on whatever it is that you're sensing. Now, this isn't about power and control here either, okay? This isn't Jeff's rules so that everyone just does what he wants. That's not it. This is actually about order in the church and waiting on the Lord to establish something in his timing and in his perfect will. As a pastor, there's lots of stuff that I don't know when it comes to how the church is meant to function or what the Bible says on certain topics. I don't have all doctrine and theology figured out yet, and I probably never will, at least not in this lifetime. I love to learn, and it seems that God is showing me new things all the time, and I love it, but that doesn't mean that I know everything that you may have been shown by God. But if you sense God showing you something, man, I would love to hear about it. I'd love for you to come with confidence and say, Jeff, you'll never believe this. Can I share this with you? And I'd love to hear about it. Whether I've heard those same things in my life or not, I'd love to hear them from you. Share with me what God is saying to you. That way we can think and wrestle and pray together and and understand what God is saying through this certain area of your life. But something I don't think in any church a person should ever do is think, well, God showed this to me, so I'm going to talk to enough people to get everyone on my side so that we can make sure that this happens because clearly I'm right in what I heard from God. I don't think that's ever happened here before. But if it were to happen in a church, wouldn't that be a a coup? Wouldn't that be a revolt rather than God's body functioning as one towards a common goal? I think when we say, this is what I heard and now I'm going to make sure it happens, what that does is it gives an opportunity for disunity to prop up in a church. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.13 that God's goal for us is to be unified. So we have to ensure that unity is what we strive for in how we act based on what we feel God has revealed. 
If someone here has something that you believe is from God, like I said, please come and chat with me. I love to hear this kind of stuff. I'd love to hear what God's doing in your life and think about what this looks like for us. A person in this position who hears something and they feel it's specific for a church or a person, what they should probably do first, their first reaction is that they should definitely pray and wait on the Lord saying, Jesus, if this is from you, I want you to confirm it. I want you to work this through in my life and show me how am I supposed to handle this in a way that's honoring to you and that's glorifying to your church. Maybe it'd be also a good idea to, to watch, to step back and watch and say, okay, this is what I sense from God. Do I see this happening anywhere in the ministry of our church? Because if it is, maybe that's a good thing and we don't have to say anything. We just continue to pray. But perhaps the most important thing to consider is if God is revealing something to us, maybe you are the person that is meant to pray that thing into existence here at CFC. If God has confided in you by sharing something about our church with you that he wants to see take place, wouldn't it be glorious to show that you are trustworthy with this secret message that God has revealed to you And that you won't betray him by just blabbing it all over the place. But you're going to continue to confide in him as well. And ask God, how is this supposed to work? What do you want to see happen? What's my role? How do I proceed? Should I wait? Should I act? Jesus, this isn't about me. It's actually about you. And then perhaps down the road, God will nudge you and say, you've been sitting on this for a month or or three months or a year. But now I want you to speak. I want you to say something. And then you come, maybe you chat with me, for instance. And what you're saying to me is something that God's also been wrestling through in my heart. And then your word actually is a confirmation of something that God is doing to move our church in the same direction. Do you see how God provides unity when we defer to him instead of saying, okay, thanks, God. I got it from here, right? Like we defer to him in everything. And earthly authorities which God has in the secular world and also in the church, they're there for a reason. I love that God has order in things. I love that he actually, he's put order in things so that his plan for unity and oneness of mind and heart can be preserved. It's so beautiful the way God not only sets up, but maintains and preserves his church. I hope today that that you have seen that listening for God's voice actually is meant to work in harmony with what the Bible says, with wise counsel from godly people, with common sense, and even with human authority. I love that all these ideas, we see them in Scripture. And when we see what the Scriptures say and we act in that way, God's church is going to thrive. His order, His care, and His love for us, His people, is so clear. I love that we can operate with that with confidence. Let's pray together. Ron and Kathy, you guys can come on up. <clears throat> Lord God, we are, we are so grateful for the clarity of this message and how we, we can find balance. We don't have to just be weird and say, oh, I'm not doing anything unless I hear it from God's voice speaking directly into my heart. No, look, you speak many ways. And there's so many things that we need to hang on to. Yet at the same time, Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of your voice and say, well, if I didn't hear it in the Bible, or if I didn't hear it from a pastor, or if I didn't hear it from this or that or wherever, then it's not going to happen. Actually, no, Lord, you want us to be directed. We're supposed to ask for wisdom. 
And as these two ideas come together, Jesus, I believe that your church is actually going to be strengthened, that we're going to understand so much better what life under you is meant to look like. So, Lord, I just pray for Christian Fellowship Church, that we would be a church that has balance, that we would listen for your voice. We would also seek your word. We would seek wise counsel. We would yield to common sense. And we would also understand the role that earthly authorities play in our lives because you have installed them there for a purpose. In your name we pray. Amen.